We are going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, chapter 17. No, I'm kidding. We're done with, there's not a chapter 17. We are finished with 1 Corinthians. Uh, 14 months was long enough. Amen. Great book. I think the Lord used that. What, what, a, what a great book to study through for us because actually there were things in there that would relate to us. There's things in there we don't want to relate to us. So, you know, here's the great thing about Scripture. It is, it is all applicable and helpful for us. Amen? So it either, it is, it's either going to encourage us not to go down a road or it's going to tell us to get off that road, get it turned around. And uh, so we had a great time with that. But this morning we're going to launch into what I, I started in this with a topic. And, and I'll just give you a quick background. But we're going to end up in a series. We're going to end up probably in a series here. And I'm going to title the series Sticks and Stones, and we'll understand that as we go, but that's the title. It sounds like a strange title. You'll understand it really was the title for the message today, but Sticks and Stones is going to be the title for our series, and today we're going to look at this topic, the topic of judgment versus condemnation, judgment versus condemnation. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 7, that's where we'll begin. Now, finish this saying for me, okay? I'm going to give you a little quote. Everybody's going to know it, so finish it with me. Sticks and Stones... That's right. We've heard that a million times, right? Uh, how many of you heard that as a kid? Heard it a lot as a kid. How many of you have said it as a parent? We probably said it as a parent. You've probably heard somebody say that. Uh, Pastor Aaron and I were talking about this this, this this week. And it really, it's a lie. It's a lie. It, it, it's a lie when we say that. Now, the fact is, sticks and stones can make permanent damage. They can hurt you a lot worse. But when we act like words can't hurt us... That's a lie because I, you know, I believe this. I believe some of the greatest hurts that children have are hurts that are caused by parents or, or others maybe in their family. Things that are said, the words that are said or the way that they're said. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I hope if you're a parent and you don't have anything that you've ever done where you messed up as a parent, then praise God. But I know I made a lot of mistakes as a parent. And, uh, you know, I pray that God would, would, would work through those, you know, and, and, and work contrary to what I, I did to, to help my kids, and, and uh, the Lord has for sure. But, um, you know, we'll tell our kids that. We'll tell our kids that when, when, when someone says something to them at school or makes fun of them, uh, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We, we, we say, you know, the truth is a lot of times things that are said aren't true. And we got to help our kids to understand that. When someone makes a cutting remark to our kids, you know, that's not the truth, okay? So you don't want to let that, you, you don't want somebody being hurt by lies, by things that aren't true. But the fact is, words can hurt. And it's important to understand that words uh, that may not be true, they, they still can have a, a deep impact in, in, in us and on others. We have to be careful not to use our words for the purpose of hurting, Amen. You know, and that's a, that's a dangerous thing. We, we get ill, we get in a bad mood, we get mad at somebody, and, and, and it's one of the first things we do. Our words become cutting. They become a, a tool. Our tongue is, man, our tongue. The Lord speaks a lot about our tongue and the dangers of our tongue. And so, so words are important. Today, though, we're going to look at this. You know, in our culture today, there's this whole crowd of tolerant people that are free to hurt with their words. They're, they're free to do that. They can say whatever they want to say because they've, uh, through things that we'll get into later, they've taken the quote, quote, moral high ground. And now because they're woke or they believe a certain thing, then they are free to say whatever they want to say to you. Uh, and, and, 
and literally sometimes that, that tolerant group will use sticks and stones to try to get across and get what they want out of the thing. But heaven forbid that, that truth be spoken into their lives. Because when truth is spoken into their lives, we often hear this. Y'all know what's coming, right? Don't judge me. You ever hear it? We hear it all the time. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. And, and here's what they'll say. The Bible says judge not. Okay. Folks, it really is. Folks that, uh, that don't like biblical truth actually like to use Scripture to make their point. They don't like the Bible. They don't believe the Bible, but they like to use the things that we believe against us, okay? So on Wednesday nights, we've been doing a study probably for six or eight weeks now, and we're, we're looking at things that aren't so. So things that Christians believe that are not true. We've looked at several different things, like cleanliness is next to godliness. Uh, God wants me to be happy. Uh, those kind of things. And we've looked at what Scripture says about it. So this was actually one of those things. Are we, are we as Christians not supposed to judge? Does God mean that, that do not judge? So we've been looking at that. And so the question comes up, are Christians supposed to judge not? Is that true? Is that accurate? Is that what uh, the Bible says? Is that what the Bible means? And that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. So join me if you wouldn't pray. I ask you to pray for me. As I preach this morning, that God will just give me clarity uh, and, and, uh, and the power to speak what he won't spoke this morning. Father, we thank you and we praise you for the, the, just a wonderful time of worship we've already had this morning. Uh, the prayers that have been voiced, the songs that have been sung. Lord, just a time to come together and celebrate our, our risen Savior on this Lord's day. Father, we thank you for that. And uh, Lord, now as we turn to your word... I ask that, God, you'd give me clarity in my thoughts and in my speech. Lord, you know the preparation. You know what I have prepared, what is written. I pray, Lord, anything that is on this paper that you don't want me to say, bind my tongue. And, Lord, if there's things that are, are, I haven't even thought of to this point, Lord, bring them to my mind and prompt me if that's what you'd have me to say. But, Lord, I pray that you would speak uh, through me today. And, Lord, give us uh, humble hearts to hear and receive your word this morning. And then obedient, uh, Lord, give us an attitude of obedience to respond to whatever it is, God, you want to do in our lives. So bless now in this time, and we'll praise you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So what do they mean? So what are those that would use those words? What do they mean when they say judge not? Now, usually you'll hear it when people who say this, they don't like what it is you're saying. They don't like what you're saying. So they're going to tell you, you know, you're, you're, you're telling them maybe Bible truth. You're telling them, and for their good maybe, uh, typically it's for their good. And uh, you tell them the truth and, and they don't like to hear it. So they'll take the Bible and then use it against you and use that scripture of judge, judge not. And it usually comes when you're challenging them about some aspect of either their belief or their behavior or their lifestyle or, or, or even, even a political ideology it could be that you're dealing with them on and they'll, and they'll use this phrase of judge not. You're not to judge me, as they'll say. Many people use this verse in an attempt. Here's what they're trying to do. It is to silence their critics. They're interpreting Jesus' message as you don't have the right to tell me that I'm wrong. That's kind of the idea behind this. You don't have the right to tell me that I'm wrong. Yet most who would say that feel they absolutely have the right to tell you you're wrong. Okay, So this judge not 
it, it may be the only Bible verse that many of these people know. And the Bible does say, if you're there at Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start there at verse 1, it does say judge not, but that's not the end of the verse. That's just, that's just part of the verse. And uh, it makes me think about Genesis chapter 3 where Satan comes in and he says, Hath God said... And he, and, he, and, he, and he gets a conversation going with Eve. And the whole idea is to bring doubt about God's word, to deny God's word. And then we see Eve, she is misquoting the scripture. She doesn't even have it right. You know, I don't know if Adam dropped the ball there or she wasn't listening when he was teaching, but she wasn't there when God taught, so it was Adam's responsibility. And, and something, something went wrong there, but it's the same idea is, is this twisting of Scripture, and that's what Satan does. Uh, did, did God really say that? You, he, you won't surely die. You know, these lies, truth, but, but lies, and it's this mixing of things. And th so those who don't like or believe the Bible, love to misuse and abuse and twist the scriptures for their own advantage. So the verse reads this way, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Judge not, comma, that you be not judged. Okay, so is this verse telling us that, that we're not to judge others? Is it telling us to mind our own business and keep our mouth shut as, as is most often the desired result for the person making that statement? Because it's what they want. They want to use that. They want to use scripture. They want to use your Christian faith or your belief. And they want to take the word and go, hey, the Bible says judge not. So you're not supposed to judge me. You can't tell me I'm wrong. You can't tell me this isn't right or whatever. You can't tell me how to live my life. You can't do it. You have to be quiet. That's their idea. That's what they're, want, they're wanting. And so um, the, to understand the meaning of this verse, we've got to take it all in because as, as, as Raymond already said, Raymond, I'm going to call you Pastor Raymond. It just keeps coming out. I guess you are. Pastor Raymond. You're Pastor Raymond. So it just keeps coming out. I want to say that. So it's Brother Raymond, Elder Raymond, Pastor Raymond, Raymond, whatever. So I like it. So um, you got to take all of this. So we're going to read the first five verses because it really gives us the, the, the cue of the, the, the clue and the, the key to what God's saying right here. Matthew 7, 1, Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, okay? So judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. The way you judge, you're going to be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but, not, but do not consider the plank in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eyes, and look, a plank is in your own eye. And he says here, he says, hypocrite. Hypocrite. It's not that the, the judging was wrong, and we'll get to that, but he, he's saying you're a hypocrite because of the way you're judging here. It says, first remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the plank from your brother's eye. Jesus didn't say don't judge. He said, judge not, that you be not judged. If you're going to judge someone else, you better be ready to be judged. Okay? If you, you know, it's a, it, it kind of made me think about this. It's what you say, you know, if you've got one finger pointing at somebody else, you got three pointing back at you. It really is that idea. So when you, when you start to judge, it, the idea is, are, are you a hypocrite? Are you judging somebody else for something that you've got in your own life? You, you, here, there's the problem. He didn't condemn the judging. He condemned your judging others when you had sin in your own life. He didn't say don't judge. He said, he said hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He says make sure you are right with God. Judge yourself. 
Clean your own house. That's what he's saying. Get that right. First, take care of your own business. Remove the plank from your own eye. Then you can clearly see how to help your brother. Not wrongly judge your brother. Not look down on your brother. Not shun your brother. But to help your brother. Amen? Amen. That's the idea here. Is how can we clearly see to help our brother or help someone else with sin in their life? This little speck, as he says, it's like getting a little piece of sand. Now, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. You get sand in your eye, right? But it's nothing to compare to having a big old, a, a big old uh, a thorn or, or a, a, a splinter in your eye. He's talking about the plank, but you, you imagine having a splinter in your eye. It's going to feel like a plank. But regardless, it, you've got something in your eye, you've got something in your life that that's bigger than the sin that you want to judge. That's what he's saying. You've got sin in your life and you're trying to judge them. How can you judge someone else rightly when you have sin in your life? And that's the, the, the context of what he's saying here. First of all, I'm sorry. So, so first take care of your business. Remove the plank from your own eye. And he says, then, then you can see clearly to help them. You can help your brother. Now, let's be honest about this. We, we all judge. We do. We judge. Okay, and I want, I want to help you understand this. Here's what the word judge means. It comes from the, the, the Greek word krino, and it means to distinguish. means to decide mentally or judiciously. It's, it's a distinguishing or a deciding. So do you get the idea there? It's a, it's a discerning. So to judge, to make judgment in in the way that we're talking about right here, it it is to discern what is right and and just discern it the right way. It's having wisdom to discern. Now, that word goes on because there's a lot of words that can be used in this. There's a lot of different words that are used in this word that's here for judging. So so, uh, by implication, to try, condemn, punish, avenge, conclude, condemn, Damn, decree, determine, esteem, judge, uh, to sue someone, to go to law, uh, ordain, call in question, sentence to, and think. So you get the idea there. That word can be used several different ways. It can be used really for the thought of actually condemning someone, putting a judgment on them, and then executing that judgment. Or it can mean this, the, the idea here in this we see from this is to discern, to rightfully discern and to distinguish what is going on. So we make judgments. I'm going to say this. We make judgments. And you say, well, I don't, I don't think that I do. I don't think I look at people or situations and judge. But I would say we do. Whether we intend to or not, we do. We judge people. We judge situations. We look at someone. We look at a situation. And we filter it, folks. We filter it through our, our, our worldview. We see a situation and you filter it through your worldview. If you haven't seen the news of what's going on in France, how many of you have seen that news of what's going on in France? It's just they're burning Paris to the ground. Okay. Now, you see that. I'm going to promise you, you're going to see it. You're going to listen to it. You're going to make a decision. You're going to decide. You're going to judge based on the information you have. You're going to go, well, this is why that's happening. That's what you're going to be thinking about. So we filter things through our worldview, through our biblical beliefs. Hopefully our worldview is a biblical worldview so that we see it through God's eyes, through the word of God, not through the way we want to interpret it, but the right way through God's way. Or we, we filter it through our convictions, our experiences. And let me tell you, beliefs and convictions are different. That's not always the same thing. There are, there are people who believe something. They might not have the conviction for it. 
They may believe this is the case. It's like I think I used this Wednesday night. It's the whole wheelbarrow thing. I may believe the guy can walk me across the, the, the Grand Canyon in a wheelbarrow, but do I really have the conviction that of, of my belief? And will I get in the wheelbarrow and let him walk me across? There's a difference between believing something with a head knowledge and truly having a conviction. So we see it through our convictions, our beliefs, our experiences, and listen, even our prejudices. And as believers, we have to... We have to Look at that. We have to look at, do I have prejudices in my life? Am I prejudiced in an area? Do I have if, if racism or any kind? We've got to look at that. So these, these can be flawed uh, or, or wrong filters. So when we look at things, we can look at it the wrong way. We can look at it through the wrong filters. And, and then if we do that, we can't judge properly. We can't do it the right way. Uh, so when we look through those things that are flawed, then we're not going to properly judge. And, but, but it is part of the processing of our world is, is through all of those things. We judge or we discern or we use discernment. So does that make sense? I don't know if I lost you right there. But, but we filter everything we see, every situation, every person, we filter it through who we are, what we've experienced, what we know, all of these things. We filter that and we make decisions. We discern a situation. Now, the idea here is that we make right discernment. We do the right things. Now, here's a bad example of some of the things somebody may filter through, okay? This is a bad example. But back in uh, years ago, I would hear this. Hair on the ears. Can anybody finish the statement? Hair on the ears. Sin in the heart. Anybody ever heard that? No, praise God you haven't. That's good because that's a bad one. That's a bad one. But here's the idea. Someone would say, uh, th this is the idea. Well, if your hair grows down, it's touching your ears and it gets on your ears. You got sin in your heart. You know, there was, a, there was, there was this judgment. There was a judgment, uh, Jeff. There was a thing about Jeff. You, you know, you got, you got hair on your ears. Then you got sin in your heart. Now, now, is that true? No, but it can be true. It could be true about a certain person. But to make that statement, that statement is not true in and of itself. If you, if you have that as a belief, if you have that as a worldview, you know, then, and if that's the way you would filter something, then what would you do? You look at someone and, 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 you, and you see the hair's gotten over their ear. Oh, stay away from them. Got sin in their heart. Okay, that's a, that's a good example of a bad example of an example, okay? Um, that's, that, that's, that's what happens. So it's not necessarily, because here's the deal, short hair, long hair, no hair, uh, that does not automatically, your hair doesn't automatically indicate the condition of someone's heart, someone's love for God or lack thereof. It's not about the length of their hair. I, I would, I, you know, somebody might say, you know what, them, them Georgia, them, them, them white, them white folks from backwoods, Georgia, they're just backwards, redneck hicks. Now listen, I'm glad nobody amen real loud, but I are one, okay? So I are one. I is one. Let me say it that way. Um, here's the deal. I'm from Georgia, and I've seen, there, there, are, there are, there are people who are country, you know, southern country people, that that is the case. But, but you can't say that as a blanket statement. 
So that's a bad filter if we filter that way. So we have to have the right information. We have to be filtering things the right way. So let's go back now. Does Jesus command us not to judge? If he did, if that's the case, then why does he say in John chapter 7, verse 24, he says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. That's a command right there to judge. He commands us to judge. He says, don't, don't judge according to appearance. Don't make your decisions according to appearance, but judge. Make your discernment. Discern with righteous discernment, with righteous judgment. Judge righteously. Well, how do we do that? You know, the key is this. If, it's just like earlier in chapter, in chapter 7 above. He is commanding us to make right unbiased, not superficial, but righteous judgment. That's what he's telling us to do. If we read down just a few more verses, we get to, to verse 12, and uh, Matthew 7, 12 says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Right? Y'all know what that is. That's the golden rule. So how you want people to treat you, you treat them that way. Treat people like you want to be treated. Judge the way you want to be judged. Philippians 2.3 even gives us some insights. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. We don't judge that way. We don't typically discern others in giving them the benefit of the doubt and looking at and giving them, you know, esteeming them higher than ourselves. And that's a key to, to how we do this. So when we're going to judge rightly, part of that is you got to be humble to judge rightly. We got to be submitted to the, to the you know, we got to be walking in the spirit that we not fulfill the lust of the flesh because the flesh is going to want to judge wrongly, want to look at things the wrong way. And, and so we've got to be walking with the Lord in right relationship with the Lord in, in order to judge rightly. Now I want you to turn to John chapter 8 because I want to read a passage here and, and I hope it's going to illustrate this a, a little easier, I hope, and clearer. John 8, verse, we'll begin at verse 1. We'll read down through verse 11. John 8, beginning at verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Verse 2, now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Verse 3, then the scribes and Pharisees, they show up. Now, if you were watching a movie, if this is a movie, the movie, the music just changed. The score just changed. It just went to, it's like when Darth Vader came on the scene, when the scribes and Pharisees would come on, it'd be da, 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 da. You know, it would get dark. You get that. When they show up, there's always trouble. And so the scribes and Pharisees show up. And what do they do? They brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, so you get the scene, he's teaching. Jesus is sitting there in the temple. He's teaching, and, and there's people all around. There's a crowd around who are listening to him teach. And here come the scribes and Pharisees, and they're dragging a woman in, and they bring her into the midst, and they set her down. I mean, they've already, now they've got everybody's attention. Rude, obnoxious, just everything in the way they handle this is wrong. They set her in the midst, and they say to him, verse 4, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Verse 6 tells us why they did this and why they said that. This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Now let's go back. 
They say that Moses and the law commanded that such should be stoned. Well, let's look at what the law says. Deuteronomy 22, 22. I'm going to read this. Listen carefully to what the law says. If a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die. The man that lie with the woman and the woman, so you shall put away the evil from Israel. All right, do you see the problem in, in what the scenario is right there? What's the problem? Yeah, where's the man? Where's the man? If, they wanna, if they're all concerned with the law and they're all concerned with rightly judging and doing the right thing here, where, where's the man? He, he's not there. And, and so we know because we've already been told in verse 6 that this is a test. It's a, it's a trap. That's what they're, they're springing the trap. They baited the trap. We don't know the scenario on this. They could have had somebody, that, that, another man that went in and kind of entrapped her so they could catch her supposedly. And they bring, we don't know that. But what we do know that she was caught and it says in the very act. It's a trap. And so they said, this is what Moses said. What do you say, Lord? What do you, they don't say, Lord, what do you say? And uh, so here's the deal. So if Jesus says don't stone her, then he violates the law of Moses and they've got him. If Jesus says stone her, now, now he's violating the authority of Rome and they've got him. Either way, they've got something, as verse 6 says, something of which to accuse him. So it's a trap. And it's, you know, they've sat back and they've thought through this and they're going, there is no way he can get out of this one. <laughs> they don't know my Lord, do they? They don't know my Jesus. But, but Jesus, verse six, uh, but Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. I, I, I love that. And, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about what did he do when he wrote in the ground? Did he, did he lean down and begin to write their sins? Did he like write names and their sin? I mean, what did he do? He's writing in the ground. I don't know what he wrote, but he just acts like he doesn't hear them. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Verse 10, then Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman. He said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? They had, they, uh, they had, uh, they had judged her. Um, they had judged her. Now have they condemned her? Verse 11, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now this account of this woman caught in adultery is an excellent passage for understanding the difference between judgment and condemnation. And they're not the same thing. Judgment and condemnation is not the same thing. Notice this, Jesus said to the woman's accusers, he who is without sin among you, let, them, let him throw a stone at her first. That's 7b. Now throw a stone. To throw a stone, that's condemnation. That's that's punishment. That's passing a sentence. That's executing judgment. It's one thing to discern that the woman was caught in adultery. It's another when they began throwing the stones and executing the judgment. 
That is an acknowledgement. What Jesus said there, that is an acknowledgement that the woman had indeed sinned and that the people had rightly judged that she had. In fact, committed adultery, which according to the law of Moses was a capital offense. So what what went on there, Jesus didn't say, hey, y'all have wrongly judged this situation. He didn't do that. He acknowledges, he, he, he says that, hey, the one of you, any one of you here that's without sin, you be the first one to throw the stone. If you're sinless, you throw the stone. That goes right back to what we were saying earlier. How can you rightly judge if you've got a plank in your eye and you're judging someone else's speck in their eye? You can't. Get the plank out of your eye. Then you can see clearly to righteously and rightly judge the situation and help them get the sand out of their eye. He, he, he acknowledges that they've rightly judged this situation. The text twice states that the woman had been caught in adultery and was caught in adultery in the very act. So Jesus was not calling out the scribes and Pharisees for having judged the woman of being guilty of the sin of adultery. Folks, she was guilty of the sin of adultery. They had caught her. He doesn't deny that. He doesn't. They, they caught her and they judged rightly that that was the sin she had committed. The facts were undeniable, but she had been caught, and the word caught in the Greek means that she was literally laid hold of, seized while committing the very act of adultery. There was no doubt that she was guilty. What Jesus was calling the Pharisees out for was their condemnation of the woman, not their judgment of her. They discerned rightly, but they condemned wrongly. In other words, Jesus rebuked them for the stones that they wanted to throw at her, not the statements they made against her. Now, I think one of the things that just came to mind, one of the things in our culture today is we see a lot of, of, of and I'm going to put it this way, those on the left who judge those on the right. And they judge because they don't like what's being said. You can't judge me. You can't tell me this is wrong. This is right. Love is love. All these different things on all these different venues. But when someone speaks truth, what's happening in our culture today, we are being condemned for speaking truth. The stones are being thrown at us. We're not being judged. That If their opinion is that's they get, they've got every right to have that opinion. They don't have the right to judge. But what's happening is this cancel culture. Someone says something. Man, someone can say something in the heat of the moment. Even baseball guys calling ball games can slip up and say something that was not clearly not what they intended to say. Simple slip, and boom, you're canceled because now you're you're a racist, or now you're a bigot, or now you're whatever, and you're canceled, and and they they get you fired, and all these things. They're casting the stones. So it's it's not the it's not the it is the stones they wanted to throw, not the statements they made, the judgments they made. The woman's accusers were so convicted by what Jesus said to them that they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And I like to think that maybe just the older guys had more wisdom. Maybe they realized they had more sin that needed to be forgiven. Maybe as Jesus was writing on the ground, they seeing the sins he's writing and going, oh yeah. I got that one. I, I got that one. I need to get, I, you're, okay, I need to get, I can't throw the stone. I got sin in my life. I need to get this right. So the lesson here for us is that judgment of sin done rightly is permitted in scripture. Very clearly, very clearly. John seven twenty four again, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. Now, the condemnation of sin belongs to God alone. 
Amen. And I think about this. Jesus came, he came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Amen. Now that was here. That was when he was here. But there's coming a day, folks, where he will stand in judgment and he will condemn those who have rejected him and not been born again, who are not saved. They've, 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 they've rejected the one hope they have is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He came. He did everything for them. Everything that needed to be done for salvation has been done. And he says, if you'll simply repent, acknowledge your sin, and, and confess your sin, and, and come to me by faith, now you're saved. You'll be saved. And people reject that. Condemnation belongs to God alone. And I tell you this, you need to take care of your sin before um, you worry about someone else's. We need to do that, all of us. Jesus didn't condemn her in this situation. He didn't condemn her. He gets up and says, neither do I condemn you. It wasn't the time to condemn. He's trying to win them to him. Jesus didn't condemn her, but he didn't let her off either. People go, well, man, the Lord just kind of let her off, right? He didn't let her off. What did he say? He said, go and sin no more. He's telling her, you sinned. This was sin. Now, you go and don't do this anymore. Your life needs to change. You've met me now. Your life needs to change. Go and sin no more. He, he confronts her sin and calls her to sin no more. And he does it, folks, in a loving way. Amen? Amen. In a loving way. We are to judge righteously. The Bible clearly teaches that truth is objective. It's eternal. And it's inseparable from God's character. Amen? It's, it's, it's objective. So truth isn't subjective. Our culture today thinks truth is subjective. I, 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 I'm, I'm a purple My Little Pony. And, and that's supposed to be truth because I said it. Because I say that's what I identify as, then that's what I am. And you have to acknowledge that. Now, how foolish is that if you start saying, yeah, he's a purple My Little Pony. <laughs> Y'all have gotten into the crazies too. Truth is objective. It's not subjective. It's not what I think is truth. There is truth. There is absolute truth and it is found in the Word of God. It is eternal truth. It doesn't change and it's inseparable from God's character. Anything that contradicts the truth is a lie, Right? If it contradicts the truth, it's a lie. But of course, to call something a lie is to pass judgment. I say this is a, you say this and I say, no, the word of God says that. Oh, don't judge me. Now you're judging me because it contradicts what your, your lifestyle or your choices or your beliefs contradict the truth of God's word. And now if I say what you're saying is not true, then I'm calling it a lie. And, and, and now I'm passing judgment. That's what's said. So to call adultery or murder or homosexuality sin is likewise to pass judgment. But here's the thing, folks. It also agrees with God. And that's what is important. Is that we rightly judge according to the word of God. Jesus didn't say judge not with a period right there. Okay, That'd be in a whole different context if he said judge not, period. There's a period. There's no period there. He said judge not, comma, comma, that you be not judged. If you're, if you're going to judge, you better be ready to be judged. 
If you're going to judge someone else, you need to, your life better be in a place to judge someone else. He didn't mean that no one can identify sin for what it is based on God's definition of sin or that you could not properly and righteously call out and confront sin. In fact, the scriptures give us several clear mandates to judge, to discern, and to call out sin. I'm going to stop. I got a little more, but I'm going to stop right there because I'm going to carry that into our message next week. Um, I do want to say this. We are to preach the whole counsel of God. Okay? I'm going to say that. Acts 20, verse 27, and we'll look at this again next week, I'm sure. Uh, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Folks, we we can't... I, I think I put it... Yeah, I put it in my notes somewhere. Um, right here. Christianity, our faith, is not the golden corral. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can't go in here and go, wait, you know, I don't like that. I don't like that, so we, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not, I can go to the golden corral and I go, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I'm going to pass on that. I'm going to have more of the banana pudding and I'm not going to have the Brussels sprouts, okay? I, I can do that at golden corral. We don't have that choice here. We have to take the whole counsel of God and it means everything cover to cover and uh, folks, if you deny the word, then you, ha- you have a problem and you're not going to rightly judge. We have, to be, we have to be under this book and this book reveals to us areas that need to be dealt with. Things in my life that need to be confessed and gotten right. And as I get those right, then I can rightly judge not to condemn someone else, but to help them. And we're, that's what we're going to be focusing on. 2 Timothy 4, 2 says, preach the word. Nowhere, the Lord doesn't give us an option. Now, the preach there, we would like to say, well, preacher, that's what, you've got to do that. You've got to preach the word. Yep, I do. That is a call God's given me, specific call he's given me. At this time in my life, that's what he's called me to do is preach the word. That's not just to me. That's to every one of you out here that's a born-again believer. That doesn't mean that you, you, you're going to stand in the pulpit to, to preach, but, but it could be that it's your preaching in the conversation Preaching, preaching is just gossiping about Jesus. It's really what it is. Those of you who like to gossip, you can make that a righteous thing just by changing the subject of your gossip. Just gossip about Jesus. Just tell everybody about him. Tell them about his word, about his truths. And that's what we're to do. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. We don't have the option there to be quiet. So this, so is it biblical? Judge not. It's not biblical. It's not what we're supposed to do. But we are to judge righteously. And so we're going to look at that again. We're going to continue next week. We'll get into this. Pastor Aaron, you and, you and um, Jim can come on down. Uh, the other part of that, and we're, this, is going to be the, this is the topic for our, our message next week, is this. We are to speak the truth in love. I think a lot of times Christians forget about that part of it, is that when we speak truth, we are to speak truth. We're not to sit on truth. We're not to be quiet with the truth. We're not to hold back the truth. We are to speak the truth. But folks, we are to do it in love. And, it, and if our enemy is throwing stones and sticks, and, and, and we're still to do it in love. We, we, I, we don't get exempt from that. We still have to love. We have to exhibit what Christ did. So we're going to look at that next week in Ephesians 4.15. says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. If we want to be like him, 
then we need to speak the truth in love. So that's what we're going to be looking at. So don't buy into this. Don't judge me. But folks, get your hearts right and judge righteously because someone's eternal soul may rest on you telling them the truth. It, it, it is so important that we speak the truth into people's lives. People go, well, that's not loving. It's absolutely loving when you do it with the right with the right spirit, when you do it uh, uh, the way God would have you do it. Um, so do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgments. Um, question this morning is, are you right with God? This morning, are you at a place where you could help and discern rightly because you're right with the Lord? Maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe there's something in your, maybe this morning on the way to, way to, way to, way to church, you got a little hot. You got a little hot with somebody. Maybe somebody in the road, maybe somebody in the car. Maybe there was a fight. Sunday morning is a great time. Satan loves to stir fights on Sunday morning. And then we get to church and... <laughs> Greetings, brethren. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in your heart, you're... Okay. Maybe, there, maybe there's that. Maybe there's, maybe there's some sin that you need to deal with. Maybe today's a great day to deal with that. But this morning, if you don't know the Lord is your Savior, I'll say this. He loves you. He loves you. And when he talks about the sin and the things in our life, it ain't a killjoy thing. He's a holy God and a righteous God. And we have sinned and we've separated ourselves eternally from him by our sin. And the Lord loves you so much, as John 3.16 says, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Lord loved you so much that he sent his own son, Jesus, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God in flesh, who came, took on the form of his own creation, lived a sinless life and went to the cross to bear our sin, to take our place. Took our place. And, and, and when he says, your sin has separated you from me, that's not judgment, that's truth. And he has offered you forgiveness of your sin and a restoration of that relationship. He's offered you salvation and eternal life. But if you reject what Christ has offered you in this life and you go into the next life without him, you pass from this life into eternity without that relationship with Christ, then Jesus will judge and it will be a judgment of condemnation. And, and it, that will be the end of it. Eternal separation from God. The most loving thing Jesus can do is tell you, you are a sinner and, and, and I'm pleading with you to come back to me. Confess your sin and get right with me. Come by faith and put your faith in me. He's done everything and this morning he offers you eternal life. So this morning as we stand, we're going to sing together. Are we singing uh, in Christ alone? In Christ alone. We, that was the last song in our set. We're going to sing that again. Uh, but, the, folks, the altar's open this morning. You may have something on your heart you want to come and talk to God about. I encourage you to do that. Well, remember, there is nobody else in here. At this time, this invitation time, this is time between you and the Lord. And if God's dealing with your heart on something, then you need to deal with God on whatever it is he's dealing with you on. Don't leave here this morning. If you don't know the Lord is your Savior, I plead with you. Step out, come down, let me take the Bible and walk you uh, through the gospel and introduce you to Christ this morning. Father, if you'll just be with us this morning. God, I pray you'll move on our hearts. You'll speak to us clearly. Lord, give us ears to hear from you right now that, that we might receive truth.
we might respond to truth. And Lord, uh, for, the, for the message today, help us to understand, Lord, uh, the right way to judge, that to discern situations. And that, Father, we, we keep our hearts right that so that we can properly discern and speak truth into others' lives and get the speck out of their eyes and help them. Father, that, that's your heart. That's, that should be our heart. Help us, Lord, to understand this. And then give us the boldness to speak truth in love. In Jesus' name I pray.